0: Hmm. Recorded live.
1: Welcome, everyone, listening today, tomorrow, and into the future. You have tuned in to National Seizure Disorders Foundation's weekly recorded podcast, Seize the Day. Every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we invite you to join us right here on TalkShoe as we bring order to seizure disorders by discussing a variety of topics related to living with seizures. Now, this is not an hour of fear or blame or drama. This is an hour of awareness, of support, and of rising above our diagnosis. When you're ready for support and enlightenment while living with seizures or while caring for someone living with seizures, Seize the Day is just one of the many resources offered by National Seizure Disorders Foundation to guide you in the direction of positive seizure management and a life filled with peace and joy. Yes, I said peace and joy. It is possible while you live with seizures to have peace and joy. National Seizure Disorders Foundation shows you just how you can do that. You can discover more about NSDF and the resources we have to offer you at our website, nsdf.org. US. If you're writing that down, that is Nancy Sam David Frank, dot United States. I hope that makes it easy for you. So you're invited to call in right now and contribute to the conversation, and you're invited to call in every Wednesday evening. Just dial in 724-444-7444. And go ahead and use the show ID, 135359. When you find value in our show, please choose to follow our show number, 135359. Again, that show title is Seize the Day. In keeping with recently established tradition, our topic tonight on Seize the Day is a continuation of our Monday night, Power Hour, hosted by National Seizure Disorders Foundation over on Google+. When you're interested in discovering more about Power Hour, please drop us a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash nsdf37029 or over on our Google Plus page which is uh, the PLUS National Seizure Disorders Foundation. I believe that'll get you over to the Google PLUS page. So when you uh, wanna reach out to us, I want you to know something, NSDF reaches back. This has been proven time and time again, both online and offline, especially here recently. We've had quite a few members going through some very difficult times. And, you know, when you're going through a difficult time, no matter what that, no matter what it is in the moment, you really need to hear a friendly voice. You need to read a friendly word. You need that encouragement. You need that power. I want you to know that's what we have here at National Seizure Disorders Foundation. We have that power that reaches into you and that lifts you up out of whatever it is you're going through. So now, on with tonight's topic, and tonight's topic is very special to me. Tonight, we are celebrating my life. It's going to be a no-holds-barred question-and-answer session. Uh, No question is taboo, and I will answer everything to the best of my ability. Why are we holding a question-and-answer celebrating my life tonight? Well, it's because Friday night is my birthday. It's my forty-eighth birthday. You know, I never thought that I would make it this far,
0: but it's been—it's been a
1: wonderful, it's been a wonderful journey, and I want to share it with you all tonight. So, on with the show. Jason, do you have any questions?
2: Yes, um, one, one of the big questions, um I'm, I'm sure at least one other person has this question, I've, used, I've asked you this question on the Power Hour, but for the benefit of our, our listeners today, tomorrow, and into the future, um, what was the defining moment that led you to start the National Seizure Disorders Foundation?
1: I remember that question from Monday night during the Power Hour, and I remember I gave a lengthy answer. However, I know that we are limited on time tonight, and we have other people wanting to ask questions, so I'll uh, really fine-tune that answer. The defining moment was when I realized that I had a rare genetic brain abnormality that caused unpredictable incurable seizures, and there was no one to support me. There was no one to help me live higher quality of daily life. And the only foundation that I was aware of that had anything to do with seizures, uh, they seemed to want me to be active in raising money for a cure and, you know, I'm all about cures. I'm, I'm fine with that. However, I knew for me personally there would never be a cure, and uh, there had yet to be a cure for epilepsy for anyone else. So that was something that I really wasn't into. And the more they pressured me to raise money, the more I knew that, that, that there was something else that needed to be done. And I developed a deep passion to begin to help others. I knew there had to be others out there like me. And so I went to this foundation, uh, which is the Epilepsy Foundation of America. I went to them, the corporate offices, and I told them of my deepest desire to help others, to help others um, increase their daily quality of life. And now the Epilepsy Foundation of America, at that time, they told me, don't bother, we have it covered. Don't bother. Don't follow your dream. There's no need to uh, take action. We have it all in under control, and that stoked my passion even more. And from there, my daughter Jessica and I got together, and we—excuse um, me—we discovered exactly what it is that was missing from the support that the Epilepsy Foundation of America gave and what it is that people like us needed in our daily lives. And from there, uh, we gave birth to the National Seizure Disorders Foundation. There's, there's a little bit more to the story, and perhaps I'll share more of it during the hour. But uh, for now, I hope that does give you some um, some solution to your question so that we can move on to more.
2: Yes, it does.
0: So do you have another question?
2: What's your favorite color?
1: What's my favorite color? (laughs) Yes, I remember this question also. And I will answer it in in a similar manner. Um, I view colors or I think of colors um, differently than than the average person. I don't have a specific favorite color. It depends on my mood. Um, different colors spark different emotion in me. The color that I appreciate the most, the color that lifts me up the most, the color that brings me to a level of joy and peace that I need to be in every day in order to enjoy positive seizure management during my journey would be that um, that bright, flawless blue that you see in a cloudless sky on a spring day. So imagine that color, and I guess you could say that that is my
0: favorite color. Do we have any other questions
2: before you start the foundation what was your favorite
1: activity to do Uh, before I started the foundation (laughs) my favorite activity (laughs) uh, this is I kind of giggle because it's really not an activity and it's not really healthy to call it favorite but What occupied most of my time, that's why I refer to it as a favorite activity, was being uh, codependent, believe it or not. Uh, Didn't matter what was going on in other people's lives. I always wanted to fix them. And I disguised it, uh, I rationalized it in my own life, telling myself that I was helping others. And really all I was doing was helping them continue the crap in their lives, and I was helping them step all over me and use me while they were doing that. You know, it's not a very positive thing, but it's it's truthful. That was the activity that took up most of my life before the foundation came along. So it's kind of like um, black and white, you know, the opposite side of the coin from where I am now.
2: Okay. This is from Virginia
3: joining Yes, good evening. Um, this is all Lowell from Virginia Beach. How y'all doing?
1: Hey, Lowell. You got any questions for me today?
3: No. Well, first of all, I want to say happy birthday. Thank to you. you coming birthday. That's great. You no, know, I've been I've listening to you uh, talking. Um, Tony, you're right on track with the um, with the support. And I understand why you um you've taken this uh this leap into supporting others and about epilepsy. But let me ask you this. What do you see that could be uh maybe be our home run to get the attention of society? Our, our big hit our big base hit if I can use that term, to get the uh, attention of society because if society, I feel if society really heard our stories, there would be a change.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think to get the attention of society as a whole, hearing our stories is uh, one of the most effective ways. Uh, however, you have to think at the same time that because there's been such a heavy stigma over epilepsy and other seizure disorders all of these years, uh, most of society thinks it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. I don't even want to hear it because it'll never happen to me. I don't want to see it because it'll never happen to me. So it's really uh, the only way that people really become impacted is when it does happen to them, when it is in their life. And what we can do as a community, as a village, as a whole, those that – those that are caregivers and those that are seizure survivors and those that are compassionate partners, we can continue to tell our story and just soak social media, soak the the nation, soak the globe with our yeah. stories. Make it to where they actually feel like it is happening to them, like it is in their life because they become friends of ours. They become part of our village. And and in turn, you know, when, um, when we develop relationships with the unaffected people of the globe, uh, they start to realize, hey, there is someone I know that has epilepsy. This is happening in my life.
0: True.
1: And therefore, they become more compassionate. And that's really, I believe that's really how we're going to impact people. You can't force a person. You can't force a person to donate. You can't force a person to be interested. You can't force a person to be compassionate. But you can continue to tell your story.
3: Yeah, no, I have to, um, I have to um, cut in here and just say one thing. Um, I totally agree with you. The biggest um, change I've seen so far is when we held an a epilepsy seminar and we had no idea, but um, um, a few police officers came to the seminar, and they actually heard people speak about being arrested, about getting um, you know low self esteem from the from society because of what of how the way they were treated. Even the, uh, the police officers themselves had said that they had wrongfully arrested people in epilepsy before, but they had not known how to get around it they had, had not been trained. Now for just for these um for everybody's information, we now have two police officers here in the state of Virginia working on lesson plans uh about epilepsy training for law enforcement.
1: Good, good, good. I know we have several members in the National Seizure Disorders Foundation around the country that are wanting to do the same thing in their uh, local community. And what I would like to do is, is get all of you together working, moving in the same direction to educate the, the EMTs and to educate the law enforcement in your own separate communities. Once we start moving together in one direction, we will get miracles happening.
3: Yes, that's so true. We will be noticed they they will have to take notice because um, a number of the police- police officers told me that they they were in jeopardy themselves because they were uh-huh. not educated uh-huh. and they did not want to um wrongfully you know arrest anyone which is put, put their jobs in jeopardy, mm-hmm. so it works on both it works well on both sides yes. so so again if we continue to tell our stories. I just know that it's going to be heard, uh, loud and clear. Mm-hmm. And Tanya, okay. I, I take my hat off to you for starting the organization, National Caesar's Disorders Foundation, and it's going to be—it's it's being known. It's just—just uh, just don't stop what you're doing. It's—it's it's going to come to pass.
1: Yes, definitely, definitely. It just grows and grows and grows. Thank you so much for your questions, Lowell. Do we have anyone my, else? Do I have anyone else waiting?
4: I've got a question, if you don't mind.
0: Okay, is this Misty? Yep. Okay, Misty, go ahead and ask the (laughs) question.
4: Okay, it's a question all the way from Texas. Um, Of course, happy birthday, Uh um, early birthday. And I'm wondering how, after everything happened with your daughter, after she passed away and everything, how is it that you're still able to Carry on the foundation and deal with people or help other, I shouldn't say deal, but help other families who deal with SUDEP after dealing with your own your own experience with SUDEP. How are you able to still carry on? How does that not throw you back into a tailspin?
1: I understand and appreciate that question. It is a very, very good question, and people need to know this. Um, It is not something that I push myself to do. It's not something, of course, that I fake to do, things like that. But I'm going to answer your question with a question of my own. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were to suddenly lose all function in your left hand, how would you be able to go ahead and use your right hand? And the question and the answer to that, I'll answer my own question. The answer to that is, well, my right hand is part, my right hand is part of me,
0: yeah. and
1: that and that is how I'm able to move on, to move forward, and and uh, create more awareness about SUDEP and create more awareness about seizures, and and uh, build the foundation in spite of my daughter suddenly being taken from us uh, just two short years ago, through SUDEP, it's because Mm -hmm. what I do is a part of me. The National Seizure Disorders Foundation is a part of me. It's a part of my legacy. And I know that even after I leave this world, I know that the National Seizure Disorders Foundation will continue on, not because it's a big and powerful foundation, but because it's a part of me, and it's a part of me that I will leave uh, to this world. Okay. So, so you know, it's it's important that people know that um, I don't continue forward because it's my job, or I don't continue forward to help others. I just continue forward because it's natural to me.
4: Okay. So let me ask you. It does. Let me ask you another question if we have time. That, Go ahead. Do you find it hard not forming relationships? Do you find it hard not to form relationships or find it hard to form relationships with other epileptics um, knowing that there is that chance of suit-up?
1: That's interesting. That question came into my own mind, I and I never told anybody about this. Uh, that question came into my own mind shortly after Jessica passed away. You know, how am I going to deal with new people coming into my life, new people coming to the foundation? And while, while I know the reality of SUDA, and I know it can happen mm-hmm. at any time to any one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this is how I deal with it. I deal with it one moment at a time. SUDEP does matter, however, however, when you build a relationship with someone, SUDEP, death, really doesn't matter. All that does matter is those few precious moments that you have together. I agree. Does that answer your question?
0: It does. It does very much. Good, good, good. So, Jason, do you have any other questions?
5: I have a question. This is Carrie.
1: Oh, hey, uh, Carrie. Welcome yeah, to
5: the show. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead yeah, and ask a uh, question. Hello, Jason, and hi, Missy. <laughs> I hello. wanted to know um, if, gr- what was growing up like when you have an intractable seizure disorder? What was it like for you and your family?
1: Okay, that's a very good question. However, um, my case is unique in the fact that although I was born with a rare uh, brain abnormality, I was born with the disease that created the seizure disorder. However, I did not start having seizures, actively having seizures until I was 18. So I never had the opportunity whether, whether it be good or bad, I never had the opportunity to grow up with seizures and, and to experience how my family would, um, would react to that while I was growing up. I am confident though, um, because of my past history, I am confident to say that had I experienced seizures uh, while I was a child, I would not have been treated any differently than I was um, actually growing up as a child without seizures. Okay. Does that answer your question?
5: Yes. And also I want to know more about your rare seizure disorder, which is, I believe, Periventricular nodular heterotrophia.
1: Okay, I will give H. everyone. <laughs> I will give everyone the long technical version of uh, the rare disorder. I say it's rare, um, not because there are so few people that have it, but it's rare because there's so little research going into it. And uh, let me see if I can even recall the full name. It is...
5: Periventricular nodular heterotopia.
1: Heterotopia. It is, it, well, that, that's a little bit of a name. That's a little bit of a name.
5: Yeah, I know.
1: It is, I know. <laughs> it is X-linked familial bilateral periventricular nodular heterotopia. Oh, wow.
5: <laughs> no, bilateral obviously meaning it's on both.
1: Yes, side yes. of your and, and, and you know, because it has such a long technical name, what I do is I go into the description of the name, of, of what the condition really is, and, uh, and I, just make, I just have fun with it. It's my rocks that roll. Right. Because what happens, what happens in my specific seizure disorder is the cells of my brain they stick together, they clump together, and form little uh, nodules, which are kind of like non-cancerous tumors. They're even called tubers. And, and these nodules, they grow to a certain size, and then they begin to migrate. They begin to roll around. Yeah. And they can go um, mm. all throughout my brain. They can even attach to the outside of my brain. And whenever... Whenever one breaks free and rolls around, that's when I occur, I I have seizures. I experience seizures.
5: Are there other brain, like, developmental abnormalities, such as an agenesis of the corpus callosum or hydrocephalus Uh, or hydroplasia? uh,
1: Occurring in me? Occurring in me?
5: Yes yeah
1: uh no no, there's not that that is the um I call it the miracle the mm-hmm. miracle of my specific condition is that it does not have any of those others that have attached yeah. that that very well could have that very well could have mm-hmm. because my brain it is a it is a brain abnormality you know it's not just simple um not downplaying this but but it is. It's it's more than just simple epilepsy, or you know a brain tumor that can be uh, surgically removed. It, you know it's it's more complex than that. So my doctors are really amazed that I don't have much more uh, going on
5: in my more head, you know
1: or or not going on in my head.
5: <laughs>
1: but uh, but yeah, last time I was tested to uh, To kind of check in on the on the rocks that are rolling uh, was about eight years ago. No, I'm sorry, it was about 15 years Holy. ago, and they counted uh, 16 nodules, 16 tumors in my brain at mm-hmm. that time, and they are inoperable because of where they're at and their size and the seizures that are produced. I have uh, I have recorded eight different types of seizures, and those seizures are unpredictable and incurable and uncontrollable. And I'm okay with that. You know, it's Is, not the end of the world for me.
5: Right. Or um, they considered like a neuroblast or dividing cell that develops into a neuron and then often migrates?
1: um like even- no, that's, that's a good that's a good question that's a good question. How it's mm-hmm. been explained to me is just a cell a cell that makes up the matter in your brain a cell breaks away and it attracts other cells to it and that's and that's when they clump together to form the uh the tuber or or the uh small tumor now it
5: can also from what I've done research, they can, they can also go into the ventricles of uh-huh. the brain, which are, I guess I would call them aqueducts or channels.
0: <laughs> yes.
5: And also migrate to like your brain stem and the spinal cord. Or is that also something that is part of your rare seizure disorder?
1: Yes, that is a possibility. Um, I've been very, very blessed that um, that there hasn't been any uh, physical evidence of that. Uh, my doctor has made me aware that there, um, let's see, this was five, yeah, five years ago. My doctor's made me aware that there were, at that time, three of the tubers that uh, had made their way down into my spinal cord, and nice. uh yeah, yeah, and he said that the size that they are right now, I may have some physical effects, or I may not. We're just kind of keeping our keeping our eye on everything
5: and could that be could that cause other
1: oh yes yes if it uh if if the tubers grow it's, large yeah. enough. If the tubers grow large enough, I could wake up one morning and be completely paralyzed without any reason. Okay. You know, um, so that just that just prompts me to take uh, life moment by moment and enjoy every precious moment even more.
5: Right. Even and more. your doctors can't. There's not medication for no. you yet. For no. There's, there's
1: not. There's not medication for me. And I have been, in the, in the past, I have been on uh, 35 different mm-hmm. medications, different anti-seizure medications. Yeah. And on top of that, I have had um, a VNS implant. Wow. Now, my seizures, for those, of, for those of you listening today, tomorrow, and into the future and you don't know yet, my seizures have gone from over 500 a month to uh, right down around 12 a month now because of the different therapies that I use in my life and the different uh, medical therapies.
5: Is there a treatment such as like a a radiation treatment or laser, anything that they have come up with? to
1: Not not for my specific case because, um, you know, I don't know, like, if they were to catch it in the beginning. I don't know if there's any type of treatment like Uh. that. But I know for my specific case, it's too far along. Yeah. You know, it's too far along. Um, If they were to treat it by anything, you know, like you said, by the laser or radiation, they would be treating too much of my brain and the risk would be too heavy.
5: I would assume. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah. So when you did start having your seizures, and then you were you know growing up, did your doctors ever discourage you from having children, as I know that you do have three children?
1: My doctors never discouraged me from having children uh, first of all, because uh, my my first seizure occurred when my first child was about six weeks old, and oh. with and with the other two children, Um, I was already on anti-epileptic medications. However, um, it it was medications like Dilantin and, and Phenobarbital, things of that nature. And the doctors were still sticking to the incorrect diagnosis that it was just stress and constipation.
5: Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, having that type of diagnosis, they had no real need to tell me, do not have children.
0: Thank you. Did mm-hmm. you say Definitely. stress and
2: constipation? Excuse me? Did you just say stress and constipation?
1: Yes, yes. For 10 years, uh, doctors and neurologists across the country, in fact, I saw a total of about six neurologists across the country as far away from, as California. They all told me the same thing. It was stress and constipation. That's why I was having 500 seizures a month. You know, and they all did the same thing. They all gave me Valium, and they all gave me laxatives, and they all gave me uh, fiber supplements. And that just shows you, you know, way back 30 years ago, that just shows you how little was known about uh, epilepsy
2: and about how little was known about seizures. Well, we're constantly always educating them, the uh-huh. neurologists. I mean, we're actually their teachers.
1: Yes.
5: Yeah. That's very true. And that's what we need to do, keep our data about all of our auras, seizures, medication, miss. sometimes I miss medication, sometimes I'm not sleeping. <laughs> you probably know, Jason, <laughs> and, yeah, they do need all that data. Is it hard for the doctors to get data from you other than maybe, like, an MRI? Right. See how, if there's more nodular, or tubular, whatever they're called, <laughs> tumors <laughs> growing? Can uh, they,
1: what we do, that what that that? we do, because... Because we understand the condition and and we know that there's nothing that medically can be done, what we do to kind of keep an eye on things, um, I just go under uh, certain things like MRIs and PET scans, uh, things of that nature, about every 10 years. You know, that's what they've got me scheduled for.
5: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Do we have any other
0: questions waiting?
2: Yes. When you had your recent VNS search, um, how did you deal with the vocal cord paralysis that you had?
1: Well, um, at first, there was a little bit of um, fear, just as there would naturally be in anyone's life, that suddenly lost a major function you know, a major daily function. And um, and then I realized what's important to me in life. Is talking important to me in life? And then why is that important? Well, a major part of what I do at the foundation is communicating with people one-on-one. And most of the time, especially uh, when I first had my surgery, most of the time, that was one-on-one conversation over the phone or through a Google Plus Hangout. And so my why, you know, why I do that became more important than the fact that I had lost my voice. I decided to find other ways to communicate just as effectively. And I began doing that. And in the, at the same time, I... Um, I developed therapies of my own that my doctor approved of. I developed therapies of my own to keep those vocal cords active and to keep them uh, lubricated. You know, I started adding oils and other hydrating products to to my daily regimen, and I exercised the vocal cords. Even though I couldn't talk, I was still doing my best.
3: Does that answer your question? Yes, good, good. Do we have anyone else standing by to ask questions Don, you had another question for you if nobody's um had one at the time uh did you say was there anybody around uh when you were growing up that had anything any they had seizure activity in their lives that any anybody your youth or adult at all?
1: No, no. In fact, um, I had never seen a seizure. I'd never even heard about them. Um, And the closest that I ever got to any type of exposure of any type of seizure was what Hollywood put out there at the time. And, of course, that wasn't pretty. That wasn't pretty. um, At that time, Hollywood told us all just just by the images they put out there, Hollywood told us all to run the other way whenever someone's having a seizure or don't talk about it. Don't talk about it because you might trigger another seizure, things like that, you know. So um, my first seizure that occurred, it was interesting because I didn't even know it was a seizure because I'd never never been exposed to anything like that. Uh, My family Those that witnessed it, they didn't know it was a seizure. They thought that I just uh, woke up from a bad dream with a change in personality. Because I literally um, woke out of a nap. I was startled awake, and that triggered the seizure. And um, from what I was told, of course, I don't remember this, but from what I was told, I instantly went into a personality of a very, very angry person. You know, a lot of that agitation started coming out. (laughs) And and that agitation was there, um, you know, screaming and hollering and fighting the people that were around me, not recognizing anybody's face. That was there for, I guess, about 30 seconds up to five minutes. And then um, I started to go into the classic tonic-clonic seizure behavior, the Classic grandma seizure behavior.
0: Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay.
5: And I guess one last one. Do you love me? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: what was that question again? I love hearing that question.
5: Just because I wanted to hear your funny laugh that's all and I know you love me
1: yes I do love you I do love all my people I call you all my people because I know because you are all my family not that I own you all no but you are all my family
5: and you are our fearless leader yes that's what I call you
1: yes thank you very much thank you very much and I do make it a practice I believe this is part of my uh journey to positive seizure management. I do make it a practice to live my life purpose every day, and my life purpose is to be an excellent example of unconditional love, and it's just who I am. It's nothing that I force. It's just who I am. I never knew my life purpose until uh, probably, I think it was about a little less than two years ago. But when I realized my life purpose, everything began to make sense. And that's when we saw a lot of growth happening also at the foundation. So for those of you that have yet to realize your life purpose, because your life does have purpose no matter what your circumstance is, I encourage you to get along with yourself, discover your own life purpose, and begin to live it. Because that's when the miracles happen.
5: I think I might have another question. Go right um, Has NSDS helped you just like it's helped all the rest of us? You know, members get get you know your clarity. You know, get on board when you're feeling you know not so great. Does it help you like it helps all of us?
1: Yes, it has helped me because it's helped me live my purpose in life and it's helped me stay focused on what's really important. And that's part of the journey um, The journey of positive seizure management is staying focused, staying in the moment and focusing on only the important stuff in life. You know, it's not, it, this might sound so... <laughs> Um, so interesting to many listening but it's not important to me that I have a brain abnormality it's not important to me that I have a seizure disorder it's important to me that I live out my life purpose and that's all that's important and my life purpose includes loving myself and me yeah and you (laughs) And you and everyone else listening. And even those not listening, those that have Mm yet to to
4: listen. It is a great
5: life purpose and I think that most of us do try and emulate that as well because it's very, very obvious on, you know, for the other members when Mm -hmm. you do, you know, respond to those that are in dire need of help. Mm -hmm. You do help them Mm -hmm. and it It is admirable, and I think that others do, like I said, try and emulate that. I hope they do anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I see we're at the quarter till. Do we have anyone else uh, waiting in the wings to ask a question? And I want to go ahead and stress again that no question is taboo. No question is stupid. And these don't have to be limited to seizures, seizure disorders, or the foundation you can ask any question, so do we have any callers waiting to ask questions?
4: I wanted yes. to throw something out there really fast, Tanya, if I could go ahead, go ahead. I wanted to tell you thank you, not only for what it is that you do for so many, but the- my last time my last On the 2nd of December, when I was rushed into the hospital by ambulance, it was just me and my son and my my dog. My son called you. He's 10 years old. He's disabled. But you were at the end of the phone. You were at that other end of the line. You were able to talk to him. There was nobody at the hospital with us yet. You were at that other end of the line. You didn't have to be, but you were. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being there, for being here. I want to thank you for doing what it is that you do. He told me, the nurses told me that I kept saying, call Tanya. They didn't know who I was talking about, but my son did. And he called you. And I want to thank you so much.
1: You're so very welcome. You know, that, that is what love does. Love I, is always there. Love is always there. And, and that is just the love that I have for you. It's the love that I have for all of you listening today, tomorrow, and into the future. And, um, you know, and it's, it's my pledge to all National Seizure Disorders Foundation members is to be there for you in those dire times of need And to be there for you at other times, whenever is possible.
4: I'm still fighting the rest of that day. (laughs) But he said, you told me to call Tanya, Mom. And that's who I knew you wanted me to call. You wanted me to call. He said, you wanted me to call your boss lady because <laughs> he, he always hears me call you our fearless leader <laughs> so he knew that that's who I meant to call so he called you and I wanted to thank you if you kept my son safe yes Misty we were all so worried about you and I was
5: calling Tanya all the time to get updates and I'm glad to hear your voice
4: I'm gonna put an update out there on the, on the page, but I don't want to make this about me because this ain't about me. This is about our wonderful fearless leader Tanya. That's why I wanted to tell her thank you because she was there. <laughs> I know,
5: and she was our basically our intermediary. Oh yes, yeah. so I could get updates like in the hospital. In the hospital, she told me not mm. to call, you, so I
4: couldn't.
5: Yep. Yep.
1: So You are all very, that. very welcome. I do appreciate each and every one of you. I do appreciate the compliments. And I appreciate everyone calling in and listening in tonight uh, to help me celebrate my life. You know, um, it's been an interesting life. One that, um, as I was growing up, I really didn't believe that uh it would lead this far. You know, um Friday, for those of you keeping track, Friday I will be 48 years old. Now, this blows my mind. And why does it blow my mind? Because I don't feel 48 years old. And
5: for the and You last, made it
1: that long. Uh, <laughs> and for the last 10 years, believe it or not, the last 10 years, every year I thought I was 36. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why 36. 36 was just the first number that popped into my head. And I'd have to, whenever it came to a point of really telling my true age, I'd have to do the math. But, you know, because we all gathered to celebrate my birthday, I'm going to make this the best birthday ever, the most memorable birthday ever. From from here on out, I wouldn't be surprised if, from 50 years from now, I still consider myself 48 years old
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I spent it tonight with family. I spent my birthday with family, with uh, Susan Sherman, with Jason Groh.
4: With happy Campbell. birthday, Tanya.
1: You're welcome. Thanks I you think very it's time much. to
4: break out in happy birthday songs. <laughs>
1: Uh, And, you know, and I spent it with other family members that uh, I appreciate so much, Lowell Evans and uh, Misty Barton and Michelle Weber. And I know, I know, Denise Tarr, I know if you're not listening in tonight, I know you will be listening in in the future. I want you to know that I'm celebrating my birthday with you also, as well as my right-hand man my best friend David H Paul I want to tell you each and every one of you that I appreciate every one of you and I invite you to to join me in future shows so that together we can seize the day but as for tonight we've done a wonderful job of seizing the birthday <laughs> <laughs> So does anyone have any closing comments? Jason, did you have any other questions?
2: Um for, first thing I wanted to, wanted to do is I I wanted to thank you for for uh being there when I was going through a, a lot of turmoil in my life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I called you all upset and stuff like that. By the time you were done with me, it's like complete 180. Yes. And, I mean, you just have that special aura about you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for recognizing that. And thank you for celebrating that with us tonight. And so now I see that we are at about five minutes till. I want to let you all know, those listening today, tomorrow, and into the future, that uh, my deepest gratitude goes out to our loyal listeners, our producer, spectacular Susan Sherman, our many supporters and partners. Those supporters include Chuck Bartok, and David H. Paul, and the Advocate of Dixon. If you enjoyed tonight's show and you wish to be uh, a part of keeping us active, please connect with National Seizure Disorders Foundation and let us know that you're ready to give as a community angel. Or let us know that you have an idea for another show. One of our staff, maybe me, will be with you to discuss the pleasant details and offer you a memorable experience, creating a win-win situation for everyone involved. And in preparation of the weeks to come, mark your calendars to join us every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on TalkShoe. I want you to know that our uh, program manager, Jason Grow, he does a spectacular job of putting the events out there. So that uh, you can be invited, you can join the show, you can keep up with the updates, you can ask questions on the event pages, and you can also invite your friends and family. So please do, look us up on Facebook, look us up on Google Plus, and um, go ahead and include yourself in the event and invite your friends and family along the way. I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. From the beautiful state, the frigid state, believe it or not, right now, it is 10 below zero.
5: It's 18 below, below here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Well, it's supposed to be there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, can I have one thing to share with you all right quick? Um, okay,
1: go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Uh, tomorrow on the, um, the Dr. Oz show, there will be a lady on there named Stacy, if I'm right, Shimelli. I met Stacy over the internet. Uh, she has suffered epilepsy, and she's really pushing for what we're doing to reach out, reach out to others. So if y'all can watch the Dr. Oz show tomorrow, January January 8th, I'm not sure what time it comes on in your area or station, but check your listings for, for that show. Stacy's a really uh, dedicated person to helping others. Mm-hmm.
1: That's wonderful. And what we will do is um, I'll find a link to that show, you know, to the announcement okay. of that show. I'll find that, and when I do find it, I will pass it around social media to get even more attention, okay?
3: That will make it work, definitely.
1: Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you all for being here with us tonight. And like I said, join us every Wednesday night here on Top Shoe, and together we will seize the day.
5: And thank you, Tanya, for being born. <laughs>
1: Y'all have a good Happy night. Happy birthday, okay. Tanya. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Happy birthday.
2: <laughs>
1: Here's wishing you all better health, peace of mind, and the presence of abundant love. Why? Because I can think of no better gift to give on my birthday or any other day to each and every one of you. Until next week, good night, everyone.
2: Good night. Good night. Great.